0: Can untie your legs from that painful knot you force yourself into for half an hour for meditation. <coughs> Some of you know that I uh, do a fair amount of work throughout the year for uh, organization that offers mindfulness retreats for teenagers. We we do retreats uh, really all over the country now. We have a retreat in Canada. And uh, every night we give a wisdom talk. And we're giving a wisdom talk intentionally so that we're not using the word dharma. Because we're uh, very interested in creating a really welcoming space for people from uh, you know, potentially from any uh, spiritual, religious, philosophical background. And Dharma is a very Buddhist word. Where here, we're practicing the Buddha Dharma, the Buddha's teachings. And as many of you know, on retreat in the evening or in the morning, depending on the format, we have a Dharma talk. And the tradition goes all the way back to the time of the Buddha, as far as I understand it, where he would travel and go visit with groups of people, and he would uh, he would give a talk, a kind of a a sermon essentially, right? Uh, a discourse. In the Pali Canon, sometimes uh, it'll be explained that certain adept. Uh, meditators would just upon hearing the dharma talk become enlightened. Hmm. So hopefully that'll happen to one of us tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm going to give a um I'm going to give a wisdom talk, which I'm comfortable saying because I am, as I mentioned at the beginning of the meditation, actually taking all the wisdom from uh, Yo-Yo Ma, who I'm sure many of you know, uh, is an amazing musician and really a a very fascinating to me and I think quite, uh, well again at least for me, quite a motivating personality. In other words, I can't say that I'm going to sit up here and give you a wisdom talk. (laughs) So I'll draw a little bit from Yo-Yo Ma's ideas. And I I will say a little about how they might elucidate some core Buddhist ideas. Um... And then we'll just sort of see, uh, we'll see what happens, and maybe have a little conversation at the end. So the I, the idea of connecting with you in this way came to me on Sunday when I was reading the arts section of the Boston Globe, and I read a short review about a documentary film um, made. I don't want to say I mean I haven't seen it I just I'm, I'm taking the information from the article but I don't want to say made primarily about Yo-Yo Ma, but I think the story, as I understand it, focuses around him and at the same time uh, in a parallel fashion is illustrating the lives of four other uh, prominent world musicians and the name of the film is uh, the music of strangers the music of strangers now I'm choosing uh, to share the ideas and thoughts and I'll share verbatim some of Yo-Yo Ma's words Um, Partly because, and this is where he's an inspiring person for me, he's he's someone who has appeared, at least from the outside looking in, very genuine. And I think, you know, people write about him and talk about him. They say that he's so passionate about uh, meeting and genuinely connecting and spending time with people from different cultures around the world and uh, getting to know them and inviting them into uh, Creative arenas, where he's working with them and creating uh, sound, essentially, that is radically uh, new and unique, because it brings in so many different styles, so many different traditions, uh, so many different ways of thinking about music and thinking about creative process. So I get from him, open, very open, uh, and, and and as you might know, he's classically trained, right? Like, really classically trained, and broke away early. And you know, in the, at the beginning of the the film, the article explains how he was being interviewed, and uh, he talked about how at a very very young age. He had a dream of working with African Bushmen, and, and the journalist was, was just su- suggesting how odd this would have been at that time for a classically trained cellist to be thinking in this way. And of course, classically trained uh, musicians of that caliber, you know, of course there's all this hierarchy, and it would not be uncommon for someone to come through one of the world's greatest conservatories and have African Bushmen's talent and skill level be down here and for them to perceive themselves up here. I mean, that would not be unusual, right? Uh, and he was fascinated by, by these instruments, uh, instruments that he, he knew nothing about, and, or, you know, variations of instruments uh, that he would know nothing about, and uh, the stylistic considerations of, of people really far away. And then, as I understand that the film jumps ahead, and he's playing cello with African Bushmen, and you know that was sort of the beginning of that was their way of illustrating that you know this man musician uh, broke barriers essentially. So the film uh, focuses on Yo-Yo Ma's passion for collaboration with diverse musicians, and. Specifically, those elite musicians' ways of using their personal interests, their craft of music to address uh, social issues that that 's really the, the heart or the thrust of this of this movie that that 's one of the things that they all had in common mm-hmm. and I I don't have this memorized, so I I have to read this, but I thought I would would let you know who is in, who's focused on in the film. Uh, Yo-Yo Ma himself, a Syrian clarinetist. I'm tempted to try to pronounce their names, but I know that I might not. I guess I'll just do it anyway and, you know, they might not be right and I'll try. So in the film, we have Yo-Yo Ma, we have a Syrian clarinetist, Kenan Azme. The film features an Iranian Kamancha player, K-A-M-A-N-C-H-E-H. Does anybody know what kind of an instrument that is? I was going to look it up before I came in, but I didn't have time. Okay, so that instrument... (laughs) Kaihan Kalhor. I'm self-conscious about reading the names because the talk might be available for download. Chinese pipa player, Wu Man, a Spanish bagpiper, Christina... Pato and I th- I think maybe there's supposed to be an L in there, Pato. So Yo Yo Mar is interviewed, of course, all throughout the uh, all throughout the film and something that he says that brings all of the people together is that they all uh, were born into a particular environment, you know, particular set of custom, particular set of beliefs, a particular kind of training in order to become really adept at uh, what they were interested in, the, the, the instrument that they were playing, and that they all chose to depart. You know, they were good enough that they would have sort of... It's it's likely, you know, we can assume that they probably would have done quite well in their respective country, and their persp- respective tradition with their particular skills if they stayed, you know, like if Yo-Yo Ma just stayed <coughs> in a classical tradition. and But they all chose to break away. They all chose to... Um, try to do things, experiment in ways that hadn't been, hadn't been done before. There was no precedent for what they, what they were doing and that that's something that they all uh, had in common. And the filmmaker, Morgan Neville, the, the filmmaker Morgan Neville says that as he was getting to know Yo-Yo Ma, the image that came to mind was that of Joseph Campbell's A Hero with a Thousand, And he said that during the making of the film, he went back and got this, you know, sort of classic text that he had written in college and and reread it. And of course, one of the, if not the most significant thing that Joseph Campbell gave us was this classic image and archetype of the rite of passage, which is uh, something that uh, we could say is pan-cultural does or can apply to any person anywhere, though not all people will have the opportunity or take the opportunity to undergo a rite of passage. And the, the, the classic form or structure of a rite of passage is a choice to leave home or to leave security or to leave familiarity, to leave what is known, and to go off where one chooses to go off Uh, for a time of uh, uh, what is typically filled with uncertainty and risk-taking. And as a result of this leaving the familiar, leaving the known, um, we enter into a series of ordeals that are difficult. We enter into a series of ordeals or difficult. And they're difficult because they challenge our perspective, our perception, our way in the world. Right, remember, we've left temporarily that which is familiar. And so just, just by that alone, uh, the rite of passage is, in its best-case scenario, very transformative. And so the third stage of the classic rite of passage is that we then come back transformed, or with new perspective, or with new skills. And then we're able to utilize those skills for a different kind of life. Right. Uh, and, and we can contribute more, we to you know to our own life, to um, to our friends, to our family, to our community, to our culture, to our society. So I think of any spiritual tradition as potentially holding the power of containing a or many rites of passage, uh, and I don't necessarily put. Buddhism at the top of the list uh, uh, in that way I know that for me it's easy for me just because I've chosen to do a lot of meditation instead of a lot of meditation retreat it's easy for me to correlate a meditation retreat with a rite of passage I mean for me it's a very classic rite of passage leave work leave home leave email leave phone leave the comforts of home uh, leave the people all of the uh, at home, all of that familiarity, and go to a place. Even and even if you've sat retreat, go to a you, go to a place. Uh, put yourself in a situation that is going to be uncertain. If you sit and meditate all day long, you don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be, to say the least, interesting. It's going to be, to say the least, challenging. And I'm willing to say it's going to be, to say the least transformative. And then we come back. Right? And we're in the process of integrating. We're coming back into our familiar environment and being with those people again. And every time we do that, see in this tradition, in the Buddhist tradition, we undergo a lot of rites of passage, particularly if we're, if we're sitting retreat. We're doing maybe even annual rites of passage. I've done at least one uh, meditation retreat rite of passage uh, Actually, not every year since I started practicing, but almost every year. And then on a on a, on a on a different scale, uh, coming out of the speed and pace and responsibility of daily living, and you know putting the phone temporarily away and just sitting quietly, this is a little mini rite of passage. You know the those three core elements are still present. in in this kind of work uh, this kind of work that we do we don't know what's going to happen when we sit down and meditate for even 20 minutes Rebecca and I had um, uh, we had dinner together uh, tonight before coming over here and I told her that uh, the week actually I think I said it was last week but it was the week before last week that Beth and Leah taught and that they shared about their experience on the recent 10 day retreat with Sayadaw Endika and uh, Rebecca was uh, telling me about her own experience of transformation at retreat and she was um, explaining exactly what happens and she was was retelling me a conversation she had with a Friend that involved trying to convey to a friend what it was like to be in silence for that long, and what it was like to get to know somebody in silence, and and, and Rebecca would, would sort of explain it a certain way, and she'd say it's so hard to explain, you know. And she had two distinct ways of explaining it that really resonated with my own experience. And what we agreed on was that um, retreat is radically transformative. This meditation practice is radically transformative. And there's this remarkable way you get to know people that is so profound and so unlike anything we do in our life, uh, given that it's silent. And yet there's a way in which we feel so close and connected to people. You know, we, really, we can really get to know people. Um, and again, to a lesser extent, I think that that's quite possible in making the commitment to come to a meditation group um, regularly you know you know we don't all come every night because other things come up but uh, we're sharing something in a particular way that doesn't always need a lot of words like what i do when the bell rings is almost like we've already done it you know we've already in a sense, exposed ourselves in the healthy sense of the word. We've just been willing to sit and try not to obstruct nature moving through us. You know, we are aware in an, in an explicit way what's happening in our own mind and body. But, but we have some sense of what's happening in other people's minds and body. They're also sometimes suffering. They're also sometimes really calm and relaxed. They're also as fearless as you are. They're also as committed as you are. They're also taking on the renunciation practice of leaving all of their forms of entertainment and coming to just sit and be quiet and not know what will happen. So in a sense, we're all completely different. Nothing alike. Our lives are in ways so different. And to the extent that we understand the universality of our true nature, we suffer, we have the capacity for peace, all things are changing within us. We understand one another, we connect. We we can see each other, we can see who the other person really is. We can see who the other person really is. Morgan Neville, the filmmaker, says you can't make music with somebody and remain a stranger. And I'm not a musician, so I kind of read over that quickly and then I came back to it and I said, I think I get it, at least a little bit, right? You can't make music with somebody and remain a stranger. And so again, the the filmmaker is trying to convey what he witnessed happen in these people from such different lives coming together. So, Yo-Yo Ma commenting on the film, and I'm going to have to paraphrase this. Yo-Yo says, What music of strangers' documents is a confluence of immigrants and hope at a time of widespread social and political upheaval? So you understand why I'm... This feels relevant to to talk about this. What Music of Strangers documents, and, 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 you know, for me personally, I really want to see the film now, you know. What Music of Strangers documents What Music of Strangers documents is a confluence of immigrants and hope at a time of widespread social and political upheaval. And then Yoyoma says, there are two reactions to that. Two reactions to social and political upheaval. There are two reactions to that. One is to close in. One is to close in. You become fearful and you protect yourself. You build walls in order to feel a modicum of safety. So we do this all the time, don't we? We do this all the time. This is one of the insights we have in meditation practice. The different ways that our conditioning is, we could say, there's a lot of different ways we can talk about conditioning, but is an unconscious strategy to keep us safe at the expense of freedom. Now, of course, there are many ways that we need to keep ourselves safe, and there are many reasons for which it's appropriate and important to surround ourselves with people who are safe. And, so that's one conversation, that's a different talk, right, just to be clear about that. We're not compromising safety all the time without careful scrutiny, right? But but, but we're talking about um, the possibility of breaking down the unconscious barriers that are inherently divisive and separative and that we're doing um, actually to protect our view in a sense so we're doing this all the time we're doing this when we feel threatened by someone or even when we feel threatened by an idea By anything that challenges our sense of right or our view, which ultimately means our sense of self, somehow we feel safer. This is Yo-Yo Ma's modicum of safety. Somehow we feel safer if we target the other as bad or wrong. We criticize others for doing this. While we often perceive that it's right or okay if we do it. Why would we do that? Because we perceive that our view is right and theirs is wrong. Now sometimes maybe our, right is, our view is going to be more useful. But as a general principle, it's, it's how this plays out in our conditioning that is the problem. It doesn't mean we're wrong all the time. As Dharma practitioners, it's useful to see all of this as the arising of self, whether we're right or wrong. And to notice how this self is not often free. So Yo Yo Ma says, The other response is to approach change by remaining open. This happens every time we walk on stage. You are somewhat fearful and you have to overcome fear by truly believing to the utmost how much you love something that you want to share it with other people. The, the, the phrasing here is, is a little mm-hmm. bit awkward, but um, I find this very compelling. To approach change by remaining open this happens every time we walk on stage. You are somewhat fearful. And you have to overcome fear by truly believing to the utmost how much you love something that you want to share it with the world. So again, as, as Dharma practitioners, as meditators, we can see in Yo-Yo's example an apt image for the path of Dharma. What blocks change in our lives? What blocks change? What constricts us? What role does fear play in the continuation of actions, thoughts, and roles that no longer serve you, others, or our community, or our society? I call these outdated patterns of behavior. They um, may have been useful to a certain extent at one time, but they're they're dated. And it's like we're still living them sometimes, but actually we could probably toss them and be okay and and come into a new experience of life and expression of self. Yo-Yo Ma frames a way out. Of limiting, confining, outdated habits and roles. So he's explaining a way out. In his in his language, he's he's. Uh, I mean, it's a classic. It's a classic image, right? He's replacing fear with love, right? And in this case, I think it it, it sounds like he's talking about uh, passion, right? He's just. I mean, he's actually talking about music. But remember, in, in their case, it was, it was this love of something wholesome music that in this story is bringing these diverse people together from different parts of the world. Paraphrasing just a, a, a little bit from yo again. We have to truly believe to the utmost how we must love something that we want to share it with other people. We have to truly believe to the utmost how we must love something that we want to share it with other people. We have to have a greater interest in love than fear. We have to be willing to love ourselves. We have to be willing. So this is almost metta. We have to be willing to love ourselves, which is fearlessness defined as accepting our deepest wishes. So much that we are moved to share them with the world, no matter the discomfort. No matter that it will require us to change. So this is just my interpretation, in a sense of uh, my attempt to understand what Yo Yo is saying. The Buddhist path idealizes and encourages wisdom, kindness, compassion, and generosity. In the stage, remember Yo Yo Ma was you know his example is about getting on stage. In the stage is our relationships. The stage is our work. The stage is the cafe on the corner. The stage is... Every time we step out the door of our house or into the kitchen and there's someone else there, it's just... It's our whole life as practitioners, right? So I'll I'll leave you in a sense with... uh, with a question, I guess, rather than trying to close it in a cohesive way, frame the end of the talk more as a question. I'm asking the question to myself as much as to you. Are we willing, are we willing to be entirely vulnerable, entirely open to not close in? Remember, this this was his first example of how to respond or to not close down, to not protect ourselves out of habit, to not build walls that provide a modicum of safety? Are we willing to be entirely vulnerable, open, to not close in or close down, to not protect ourselves out of habit, to not build walls that provide a modicum of safety? and then at the end after i had thought about this a little bit and was was waiting for rebecca to come i i I thought about the title again the music of strangers so strangers are separate in a sense right we can use other words but uh, they don't know they don't each other they don't understand They're not compatible in a sense Uh, and music maybe not all of it but music has something to do with harmony right it has something to do with putting the pieces and parts together right so the 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 title of the film has a lot of if we care or choose to read into it, it has a lot of has a lot of meaning right so We have a choice. We have a choice to be divided. We have a choice to be closed. We have a choice to be separate. We have a choice to have right views when others have wrong views. And we have a choice uh, for something more harmonious, more uh, wholesome or skillful in the Buddhist sense. We have a choice to stay open, to connect, to listen, to see people for their potential rather than their their limitation. You know. We might still choose not to make music with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Yo Yo Ma, of course a uh, uh, cello virtue also, but described um by Morgan Neville as a world citizen. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the, what, the, what the Dharma equivalent of a world citizen would be. But I love that idea too. You know, is a world citizen. He's also a Cambridge citizen. That's right. <laughs> also a Cambridge, <coughs> little plug there for against the stream. <laughs> Boston, Cambridge. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I hope that's uh, useful to your practice in some way. I, I, you know, I think in a in a way, uh, I see this as being uh, a talk that leaves us with questions. I'm not really trying to answer anything, and I hope that's okay with you. Order.